welcome back. This is the big ideas stage, and this is the afternoon session. And I'm actually super, super, super excited about this one that we have coming up. Uh, it's all about the meme economy, and it's going to be moderated by the one and only David Morris and Chris Gabriel, plus a friend who I don't know, but I, he looks very interesting. So a familiar. Um, let you take it away. Thanks. Hello. Hi, Chris. Uh, I, uh, I, I. Wasn't super familiar with you before I got invited to do this, but I've been binging your work, and I think we're very much on the same wavelength, so I'm very excited for this conversation. Oh, feel free. I mean, it's up to you all, however you want. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I just want to jump right into it because we have pretty limited time. Um, but uh, so I have some questions here. I will hopefully this will just become a conversation, but uh, I want to start with something very specific, which is. Uh, the, the great occultist, Alistair Crowley, who clearly you are um, at least familiar with, I wouldn't gonna guess, um, described by haters as the wickedest man in the world, defined magic as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. By that definition, are memes a form of magic? Undoubtedly. Um, another major element of this consolidation of will, this consolidation of energy, is the reduction to symbol. And memes are ultimately the modern symbol. They take on the great spiritual and religious values that were reserved for religious icons in the past and now take on a very similar form of power, but instead of um, divine fear and trembling, it's humor, it's laughter. Um, so. Symbols have this power. A lot of our symbols are now online. Um, and so we find ourselves living through the virtual much more and more. Um, I guess first, could you just talk a little bit about, and I know you have quite an elaborate line of thought about this, um, about the, uh, the reason that we're investing so much emotion, so much libidinal attachment to these virtual objects that don't exist. And then, you know, I'm just kind of curious whether you think that's gonna end badly. <laughs> So ultimately, what needs to be recognized is that all investment, all emotional investment is an investment of vibe, an investment of libido. And today, many young people have a great difficulty translating their desires into the real world. They're unable to experience the life that they wish. And so much of this libido is repressed and then transmuted into a digital form. And this is not necessarily a negative thing because all magic is about the redirection of this vibe. It's just a matter of what is being empowered. And certainly there are empowering things online. It just so happens that most are really uh, horrific. Um. So you did mention that a lot of this is because, you know, changing economic circumstances, certainly the, the, the vibe is that we're not going to, you know, live the same kind of lives that our parents did. And you can look online for alternatives to that. But as you pointed out in one of your videos, there's a, there are cases that totally contradict that, which is some of the most wealthy people in the world are also 
very much connected to the online space. Um, I'm particularly thinking of Elon Musk, who uh, wants to own Twitter because he gets owned on Twitter all the time. Um, and uh, I'm just curious, like, if you have everything in reality, then how do you then explain somebody like Elon Musk, who is obsessed with the symbolic uh, to a you know, self-destructive degree? Uh, I think it comes initially with a fracturing of the ego. Because a lot of the internet, for people who enjoy the internet, it functions as a tool to empower a very, very silly persona, a very, very silly ego. See, I, 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 one of my good friends is um, an ex-tech guy. He buries his phone every week. He has phone day once a week, and he has a little phone coffin that he unearths, and it's set on very significant days. Which I think for most people is now like the dream, right? Like we want to get offline to a significant extent. And exactly, it's like, it's a, it's a privilege to not need to be plugged in all the time. And this is, this is the true nature of the vibe aristocracy, which is those who are able to embody their desire, embody their vibes day to day, are the ones who are surviving the vibe shift. It is those who have invested in the whirlwind of the digital that are finding all of this investment swept away to nothing. So um, I, this is not the focus of your work, but because we are at consensus, um, what is your just awareness level, relationship, initial introductory thoughts about cryptocurrency and blockchain? So a huge part of magic is understanding the elements. And one of the key elements is the earth, which is coins in the tarot. It's money, material wealth. And we have just reached the age of Aquarius, uh, I would guess, around the year 2000. And so I view crypto largely as an attempt at an Aquarian currency. It's rendering unto a Caesar that does not yet exist. It is rendering unto the other what is the others. Because so much of the youth, so much of the youth that is investing in crypto were raised by this digital other. And so why would they not trade with uh, currency marked with that god? And, and I mean, when you say digital other, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Because I have my own thoughts, but I think that people might need some clarity. Certainly. So there is this idea that everything that is not us is othered. We have a, a huge archetypal self, and in it is contained all of what is us, what we view as us. Even like, he, he's me. We're, we're both wearing cloaks. Uh, we both came from the same place, so he's part of me. But you are a degree other, and then you are all becoming quite other, and then outside, everybody walking by really big, and then all of Austin, and so on. And the digital today is the mother of all others because it has found the way into everybody's life. This is the new Aquarian religious experience, which is like the alien abduction, which is the other coming from far, far away and reaching into your life. And that is what technology does. 
It, and to a certain extent, it's it's the other of the future, right? Like it's it's a time-based other. It's we're we're imagining ourselves into it. Absolutely, that is one of the huge Aquarian concepts: is this idea of futurity um, becoming manifest. This is like a huge part of the philosophy that establishes crypto is like um, all of the the CCRU, the cybernetics, and their views on retro causality in the realm of tech. It's very, very significant to grasping this great kind of um, emanation of new religion in the form of the digital and in the form of crypto. Yeah, the future becomes the horizon that we're chasing and then it becomes the present. Um, so in addition to your interest in, in magic and tarot and symbology, um, you're also very big on Freud, which I am also. Um, and uh, Freud's most famous student, Jacques Lacan, uh, called money, quote unquote, the signifier that most thoroughly annihilates every signification. Um, and that, that means in plain language, it means that because money can be exchanged for anything, it is the universal medium of exchange. And if you can exchange it for anything, then it means nothing. Um, but in cryptocurrency, we now have meme coins. So um, Dogecoin, others like that, where a community comes around a money that is quite specifically symbolic. Um, so I'm curious whether you think um, this new money that, that has more of an emotional investment, more mimetic attachment, functions differently or introduces something new? Uh, it absolutely does, to the point where I can sense oracular visions coming from the oracle on this new vibe-centric currency. Uh, this is one of two predictions that we are going to share during this presentation. The first of which is of a coming currency, a final currency, something beyond, beyond crypto. The true Aquarian currency, a vibe currency. The vibe coin. Ultimately, all currency acts as a materialization of desire as a materialization of libido. And in this new age, we are going to reach the most pure vibe coin, where the currency itself is such a perfect reflection of our human desires, of our human needs and lusts, that it is incomparable, that other currencies will simply melt away on the spot. We will recognize the vibe coin by its vibe alone. By his ways, you shall know him. Um, I want to talk about a slightly different register of cryptocurrency, which is a lot of people are very active traders. And we talk about that often in terms of gambling. People describe themselves as degens. Um, and so there is, on the one hand, something like Dogecoin that is sort of a community quilting point, brings people together around a symbol. Um, but I'm curious whether Mimes has much to say about just gambling um, as a obviously compulsive repetition, um, but something that doesn't necessarily have a symbolic register, maybe? So I'm curious. Um, there's a great quote from Alejandro Jodorowsky, the brilliant esoteric filmmaker, where he says, um, poker cards, your normal 52 deck, um, it's the tarot minus God, because it removes the 22 major arcana. But we just were at Vegas recently, and I was thinking about this kind of Freudian analysis of gambling and why, why people have gamble. 
and I was thinking about it in a Freudian way, which is how does gambling map to sex? And I think a lot of people would assume intuitively that winning is orgasm, but in fact, it is when you go bust. It is when you lose everything that you reach this, this, uh, this purification, this sublimation of the gamble. Like having gamble is not about winning, it's not about being good at gambling, it's about being willing to lose a lot of money. And that is part of what it takes to be a, a great gambler. When I was, I was at a poker table, and I was more anxious than I've ever been in my life, I was gonna have a heart attack, and I, I gave it over to the force. And I just read the cards like tarot cards, and I started winning, because I, I, I made it a vibe card. I removed the logic from it. <laughs> nice. Um, so before we go further, just as, as briefly as you care to, um, you, you brought up Freud, we've been talking about Freud a bit, you make a lot of use of Freud in your work, um, but I think there is also a very powerful anti-Freud discourse, uh, especially over the last 20 years, people saying it's pseudoscience, that it, uh, you know, has been debunked. What do you, what do you, what is your response to, to that? Uh, I think people who despise Freud are deeply terrified of their own innate human nature. People who fear the other, and these the people who are some of the most, most vicious people in their beliefs, you know, uh, it, it, like one of the most, I think one of the most iconic anti-Freud groups is the Nazis. They call psychoanalysis the Jewish science to discredit it, and then take all of psychoanalysis and make it uh, Goebbels. It's horrific. And this is ultimately the role of modern psychology, to remove Freud to remove the unconscious mind and legitimate conversations with the self, with our desires, with our fears, with what makes the world go round for the sake of making money for insurance companies and remaining medicated. And, and you've hit on one of your, I think, major themes here, which is the, the sort of sickness of contemporary rationality, particularly. Um, and, and I want to touch on another topic, and then we'll circle back around to the, the failures of rationality through this, because um, I think it's important to address. So I, I'm, I'm a happily married man. I've been with my wife for, for 10 years, um, and you know it's awesome. And I think I got to that because I like women. And somehow there are some people who think that the way to wind up with that kind of situation is to hate women. Um, and so uh, maybe just talk about, uh, well, I should just be very explicit, right? Like, this is a tech conference. There are probably some red-pilled men in this room right now. We are in the capital of a state that has swallowed, for the not first time, the ultimate red pill of patriarchy. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about that connection between the sickness of rationality and this horrible misogynistic trend that has, you know, led to half dozen shootings over the last five years. Jung puts it best when he says the worship of woman is the worship of the soul. And in these red pill men is this religion of rationality. It's an assumption that through scientific understanding and, oh, if we apply logic to this process that then we can master the women, then we can control the women. But it's not True, because rationality is not real. Um, rationality does not function in the most important places. 
Bataille, George Bataille, the great French author, says tragedy is the impotence of reason. And any great culture is deeply familiar with tragedy. It is only this kind of decadent culture that believes through rationality we can overcome nature itself. But nature always comes knocking. And women are often kind of symbolic of nature because it's something that men can't control easily. Um, so this, this hatred of the uncontrollable, which is a deep uncontrollableness in their own soul, you know, it continues and continues. I, I read something recently where men were saying, oh, some dudes, I don't know, not all, not all men, um, but they were critiquing emotional intelligence. They were saying emotional intelligence does not stand up to rational analysis. It's not real. Women shouldn't want it. That is, and that is the perfect illustration of the rational mindset approaching. You know, you, you don't get to tell somebody that what they want isn't real. You, you don't get to tell somebody that emotions don't work. Um, it doesn't work that way. Your rational approach is trying to construct a chess game out of an infinite world. You want to reduce it to a very simple game with simple rules, but it doesn't function in the grand scheme. And so I think we can circle back around through that to, to memes, right? Which very often make little or no sense, but will absolutely set your brain on fire. Um, and, and even in the crypto space, you know, um, Dogecoin is a project that makes no sense and has no reason to exist, um, but people love it. And uh, so what is that like, where does the irrationality come into digital communication? Like, is it, well, I don't know how, I'm sure you're familiar with the term, but um, is this like the return of the real? Is this the monster from below coming back up to show us what is actually hiding there? You know, I don't, I don't think it's coming in a monstrous form, honestly. But I do think that we can understand best how they are natural emanations of humans. Um, like Dogecoin is a very, very natural, joyous emanation. Whereas, you know, what, what is referred to as shit coins or forced meme coins that ultimately fail are really, they're, they are, they are um, seizing, they're trying to seize the irrational, and they fail because they're doing it without heart. Doge is something that some people do legitimately love. Do we have Doge up? Yeah, we do have Doge up. Yeah. I, I love Doge. And by the way, when I say it makes no sense and has no reason to exist, I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that on a purely rational level, and then we have the investment that people nonetheless make into it with their hearts and souls. And this is kind of the ultimate declaration of some of the great beat artists and some of the great artists of the 20th century, which is to, from Burroughs, destroy all rational thought from the talking heads, um, stop making sense. You have to stop making sense to make sense. Money is one of the irrational things because it is an approximation of desire. When you uh, try to apply rational analysis to economics, it will inevitably fail because people are not rational. People are not rational actors. It takes irrational analysis, which is magic and which is ultimately psychoanalysis, though Freud would disagree. 
I want to ask a little bit of a meta question. Um, you're doing all of this very serious work, wearing high-level concepts, um, primarily, as far as I know, in the form of YouTube videos. And so I'm curious what kind of um, response you get, what kind of audience you get, um, whether you feel like people are being exposed to this stuff for the first time because you're putting it in that accessible format. Uh, that is something I've been very thankful for, is the uh, ability to spread these kind of thinkers and these ideas that would otherwise be very deeply esoteric, uh, very out of the way and unreadable, uh, by putting them into a very popular format with, I use the meme to popularize the analysis. Um, the medium is the message. So by using memes, you can spread really, really good, exciting ideas. You can make it new. You can make really old, arcane, boring ideas new and exciting. And that, I think, is the most important thing. Um, so I've been very thankful. I mean, you know, there's lots of misreading that occurs naturally, but I'd rather, you know, millions of people misread somebody exciting than not read at all. Uh, I think we're going to have time for a couple of questions. I don't know if somebody has another mic or, or if Ben has missed us, but um, I do have one last question of my own, which is how do we get rid of the CIA? Um, I think what, what is integral that our oracle, and we, uh, we are the meme intelligence agency. If everybody were to be an intelligence asset for themselves and for their friends, to operate everything like a gang. This is something Burroughs talks about. This is the, the Johnsons. You, you, can, you can become alien. You can become intangible. You can become other through not catering to popular ideologies. Be gay, do crime. Exactly. We are becoming gay. We are becoming criminal. We are becoming Promethean. We are bringing down new ideas in exciting and new ways. That, to me, is why I like, ultimately, though there's many problems with crypto, I like it because it's new. It's very new. Uh, I think Ben has a mic back there. If anybody has a question, we have time for a couple. Hello. Uh, what are your takes on, like, the degen mints? For the last two weeks, like, go what are your takes on, like, the degen mints in the last two weeks, like, Goblin Town, Shit Town, kind of translating into this meme world we're talking about? Um, this is, this is, if anybody here uh, makes NFTs or wants to make NFTs, I'm going to give you a great secret that um, some few have discovered, which is that you need to make the ugliest possible NFT because the ridiculous obscenity of it will make it sell. This is how the great popular NFTs sold, because the, the popular sentiment is, how did this sell? Look at this art. Um, you know, there's the people who are like, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an investment, blah, blah, blah. That comes later. What really matters is having something so ugly that people share it and say, how is this selling? If you can make something that ugly, you can get really rich. And by the way, when, when you say ugly, I'm sure you are not talking about just uninteresting uh, midwit cartoons. You're talking about aggressively unpleasant to look at. <laughs> exactly. It has to be, it has to be a really, Hard to understand. An uncanniness. It has to evoke an illness in the stomach. 
Ben, behind you. Yeah, thank you. That's a great speech. Um, you talked a little bit. You talked a little bit about uh, critiques of rationality. So I'm curious on how you would move epistemology forward. For example, you know, just in this context, there are some coins which might make a lot of money, some coins which make terrible money, and even outside of that, how can we, without this uh, sort of scientific method, how can we ascertain what is true and what is not? How would you move epistemology? Uh, absolutely, and I think you know this might be because it's such a short time. You know, it's hard to get into magic as a whole, but that is the role that magic plays as an irrational approach to reality that functions um, without the sense of rational highness. It's not, um, it's just observing natural patterns and flows and approximating them to behavior, to effective behavior. Um, but it's irrational actions, you know. Um, what Jung talks about is synchronicity as opposed to causality. So we can take synchronistic approaches to what others would rationally um, try to causally affect. So by do, like um, wearing cloaks has some effect, but more importantly, it has synchronistic effects on the psyche. And you know, I don't want to put words in Chris's mouth, but I, I, I would also say that none of this precludes the application of rationality to things like you know, mathematics or economics, um, but it, it is an attempt to expand the, the field of discourse and inquiry even. I mean, it's, it's not just you're going around making gestures. It's, it's a process of inquiry and a process of building, really. It's everything in its right place. Uh, many of the great old scientists, the great philosophers, were alchemists and magicians first. Um, and it was this, this desire. All science, in fact, comes from alchemy. This desire for the beyond is what produces the best, um, most practical, effective approximations, but they need to be understood as approximations and games. Uh, I think we have one more question, and then, uh, well, we might have time for two. Go for it. Yeah, so a question for Chris. Uh, so what do you think of the... Oh, sorry? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, okay, you got me. So, a uh, question for Chris. So, since you uh, look through a lot of memes, so what's the key points to make the memes successful? Great question. Perhaps the most important question for those of you who want to, to use the memes. Um, and this, again, we approach with magic. Um, color. Color is honestly one of the most significant elements. Jung talks about color speaking directly to the unconscious mind. If you have a symbol, if you have a, a very clear symbol or a very clear animal, and then the appropriate corresponding colors, you can immediately um, establish a stronger symbol than a kind of chaotic, helter-skelter, thrown-together brand. The great brands have magicians building logos to evoke magical energy. You might think I'm kidding, but I'm not. You can read about it. I think we maybe had one more question. I have a question. Sorry, let, let's, let's give priority. I'm sorry, sir, we have our own microphone. Can you get in line and let Ben call on you? Hello? We have somebody, no, please. We have somebody waiting who has already been called on. Go ahead, sir. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, first of all, it's really refreshing to have a very different angle here on things than I expected. Um, I'm wondering, is there a certain limit to embracing chaos and also embracing the darker side of things like nihilism, death, suicide, do those also have a place? Absolutely. And this is something that, that troubles me often with the responses to my own work. Because by popularizing occultism among um, young people, there definitely have been people very negatively affected by it. Because it's a very difficult subject that does deal with these very dark things. But um, I think Aleister Crowley, we talked about in the beginning, provides a really, really great anchor, a great symbolic anchor for the magician, which is the child. It is childishness and playfulness. Like, the child can play dead, and they can play sword fight, and play kill their friends, but it is just play. It always comes down to performance, to enjoyment, uh, to the game, to the child. Uh, ben, are we out of time, or? Okay, I think that's it, so, um... We will be around, and thanks everybody, and thanks Chris, and thanks to our familiar here for catalyzing the ceremony. Um, and I think you did have, you said two announcements, so do you have one last thing you need to throw out there? We have one more prediction. In the future, a great meme approaches, a digital messiah, the fan, the only fan of the only fans. It comes. And if anybody who has taken the time, I'm very thankful that many of you have stayed. Um, you can forget everything. Just remember these two words. Remember, memes matter. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.